I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guests are Elizabeth Cutler and Julie Rice, co-founders of SoulCycle, a company that offers indoor cycling classes through the New York metro region, Long Island, and Los Angeles. Elizabeth and Julie opened their first studio in 2006 on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and the company has grown rapidly in popularity, attracting clients like Chelsea Clinton, Conan O'Brien, Katie Couric, and Kelly Ripa. SoulCycle classes are 45 minutes long and claim to be a full-body workout. Welcome. Thank you for having us. So you are both unlikely people to start an exercise company. Tell me a little bit about your background. Why don't we start with you, Elizabeth? Um, I grew up in Chicago. I was not one of those kids who was um, really into sports. And I lived in Colorado for 14 years. And when I was living in Colorado, I got into hiking in particular, which is a great form of cardio. And when I moved back to New York, I moved to New York, I met my husband and um I did yoga also, and I so I continued to do that. And after our children were born, I really I put on a lot of weight when I was pregnant. Um, and my mother, who I adore, told me, "Oh, you know, don't worry about what you eat. I wore my jeans home from the hospital." And sadly enough, that was not my experience whatsoever. <laughs> and about six weeks after our first daughter was born, um, I still had forty five pounds to go. And one of my dearest friends just said to me, "You have got to get some cardio." And I was so intimidated, I was afraid, and I went to take a class, and a light really went off for me. Um, I really felt like if I could access this, then so many people who feel like they can't do cardio could access this and it could really change something for them because everybody needs cardio and most people hate it. Now, this was an indoor cycling class. Can you explain what a spin class or an indoor cycling class is for those who have never taken one? At SoulCycle, we ride on um, indoor cycling bikes and we have pedals that people use specific bike shoes to clip into. And what's great about that is that you're using your entire leg. But um, So basically what it is, is it's riding inside on a stationary bike in a class that's set to music and led by a teacher. Elizabeth, you sold real estate in Colorado when you were living there. I was. I had grown up in a, in a real estate family. My mother was a very successful real estate broker in Chicago and uh, ended up moving to Telluride. And while I was there, I got introduced to an arm of oriental medicine called Jinshin Jitsu. So because of the lifestyle that exists in Colorado, I was able to do both, but just wasn't really the money that I would need to sort of live my life. So you moved to New York City and you discovered indoor cycling. At what point did you say, you know what, this would be an interesting business to start? You know, um, my sister-in-law owns Bikram, Bikram Yoga, is a co-owner of Bikram Yoga here in the city. And so she was, I said to her, you know, I, I, I'm feeling this urge to do this. I mean, I had a five-month-old and, and a three-year-old. And she was really encouraging. And how about you, Julie? You were a talent manager in Los Angeles. I was in L.A. for about nine years. And not unlike Elizabeth, I sort of had, you know, an aha moment on a bike. I've always been sort of athletic, but it's never really had a a joyful effect on me before. I thought to myself, I I get it. I understand why this can be something that's not just, you know, checking off, you know, exercise today on my to-do list. What's an example of the impact that SoulCycle has had, not necessarily just physically? 
our experience now over and over again is people coming up to us and saying, you know, I, I don't go to my therapist anymore because I do it on the bike or I, I, I literally walked into the Upper East Side studio the other day and a woman came up to me and she said, I want you to know that you saved my life. She said, <laughs> I just had a baby and um, I started working out here right after, um, you know, my child was born and you really saved my life. And I said to her, I'm so glad to hear it. You look amazing. How, you know, how old is your child? And she said, oh, my baby is five months old, but that's not at all what I'm talking about. She, she explained that it really helped her connect to her child and back to herself and to her family. For us, the surprise gift in this business has been the emotional release that it has given to people. When you noticed the benefits of doing a spin class, why did you necessarily say, well, I'd like to start a business? Where did that come from? Truth be told, I sort of looked high and low for an experience that would make me feel like what I had found in my you know, little indoor cycling studio in Los Angeles. I tried every indoor cycling class in New York City, and I just could not find it. Was there also some unhappiness with your current work environment that kind of gave you the extra push to say, you know what, I'd like something new? Definitely. Well, one thing that Elizabeth and I have very much in common were we both started the business when we had babies that were five months old. After I had my daughter, I definitely was feeling like I would like to figure out a job where I could work on my own terms. So you both had this idea in isolation. How did you ultimately meet each other? Um, we met at a lunch. Um, we were introduced, and we started to talk. By a mutual friend. Yes. And slowly but surely, we started to talk about the ideas that we had for creating an indoor cycling business. I like this about this place, but I think this could be better. Or wouldn't it be great if you could do some upper body work in the 45 minutes? Or could you imagine if... We had you, a reservation system. That's right. Or it was a, you know, a chic environment. Mm -hmm. Or all the teachers spoke the same language, so you didn't go to, you know, Joe's class at 10 in the morning and it was boot camp and, right. you know, well, Bill's class at 10 o'clock in the evening and it was, you know, Zen cycle. We always say it was the best blind date we ever went on. <laughs> Have you looked at some studies that show the benefits of group exercise versus exercising on your own, for example? If you drew a chart, you would probably see that the workout for a group of people is more consistent than one person working out by themselves. If you are out there on the West Side Highway running by yourself on a low day, you might run a little slower, and on a fast day, you might run a little faster. But probably you are working at a pretty hard level if you are in a class at SoulCycle because the group is going to carry you with them. Incidentally, indoor cycling classes take place in the dark. Where did that come from? For us, we do ride in candlelight, and it sort of sets the tone of a respectful room, a place where people... Um, you know, are there for the right reasons. We have this site on our, pay, our page on, one, on our site called Soul Etiquette, which is just about, you know, how we treat each other. I mean, we really treat it as a sanctuary. I noticed the music plays such a prominent role. Um, can you talk to a little bit about the music and really, that you know, there's a DJ component to it? Absolutely. Our, um, our instructors spend a lot of time creating their playlists. You know, there's a musical arc that follows the emotional arc that follows the physical arc. 
we have a place on the site where we put our 10 favorite songs of the month. We went through a real phase, and I think it's a classic. We'll always love the um, Alicia Keys and uh, Empire State of Mind. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guests are Elizabeth Cutler and Julie Rice, co-founders of Soul Cycle, a group of indoor cycling studios in New York City, the Hamptons, and Los Angeles. So I want to switch to the nuts and bolts of how you started your business. So you had this excellent first date where you said, okay, I want to get started. So what were the first steps that you took? Elizabeth started looking for spaces. We were combing Manhattan. We weren't coming up with much. I mean, people don't really want to rent to, especially at that time in 2006, to people who have no track record whatsoever. So uh, we managed to find a sublet uh, in the back of a lobby on 72nd Street, great located, very well located on Craigslist. And we thought there was going to be a sign. And then just as we went to go sign the lease, they said, oh, I'm very sorry, but you you don't have a sign and you're never going to have one. Mm. And if you would like to have one, it will be inside the lobby on your door. So um, we did a lot of guerrilla marketing. We got a rickshaw, which we painted. We painted it silver and yellow, which are two colors that we use. And we parked it out in front of the studio and locked it up, hoping that it wouldn't get stolen or ticketed. And we'd say, oh, should we spend another $65 on the ticket for this night so that people know where we are? Well, we, we literally used to get a ticket every day from the community board for parking our rickshaw outside. <laughs> and we parked out there for a long time until finally stolen. the community board wanted to actually see us. Right. <laughs> and then it got stolen. It was sort of a happy accident. <laughs> and how long did it take you from your first meeting to opening the door on the first day? Four months. Yeah. Quick. Quick. After our, after our first meeting, Elizabeth started looking for space immediately. And, you know, we, we, we didn't even know each other very well. So um, I was still working at my full-time job. And we would sort of talk in the morning and make our separate to-do lists. And I would schedule my lunch breaks. So, you know, I was actually I was representing models at the time. And, you know, I would sort of be creating shampoo deals and stuff. And then during lunch, I would meet the towel guy downstairs. We really just sat down and made a list. Things you need for cycling. Water, bikes, shoes, a space. Elizabeth went to Ikea and created most of our first studio out of um, Ikea cabinetry. Our front desk in our original studio is from good old Ikea. And Elizabeth, you were also an investor in the beverage company Izzy, which was ultimately sold to Pepsi. How did you come to be one of the early investors in Izzy? Um, My best friend from um, college and her husband, who I grew up down the street from, happened to get married. And they started um, this company after their first daughter was born. We had seen it in Colorado. And, you know, I said to my husband, I said, well, I think we should put some money in it. And I called Todd and he said, I cannot take your money. I'm going to lose it. I really cannot do this. And I said, OK, I completely understand, but I'm an adult. And if you change your mind, let me know. And two days later, he called and he said, we just got a huge order from Whole Foods. It's our first big order and we have no money to fill the order. So we will be glad to take your check. And then it was really just a ha- really amazing, happy coincidence. I mean, we had the money to do what we needed to do. Sort of, it was extremely timely. The business did, was pretty successful from the beginning, but it just took the pressure off us in terms of, you know, paying back investors. So, were you the sole investor initially for the company? Yes, yes, I was. So, tell me a little more about the logistics of getting the business off the ground. What are some other kind of surprises uh, that you know didn't go the way that you had hoped initially? Well, 
We um, put a lot of time into developing an online reservation system so people, we would open the reservation system uh, noon on Mondays. The bikes would open for the week and you could just sign up for the classes that you wanted. And um, we got to a point in the business where things got, as we started to add classes to the studio, things got really busy. And so the system would crash at noon on Monday, which is like the last thing in the world that you want to happen because you make people so mad. We really had to work through the technology of that. We didn't know a lot about soundproofing in the beginning (laughs) (laughs) or how close people live to a building that you're playing music in. Did you get complaints from neighbors or, or? Oh, neighbors, other tenants, landlords. It was one of those. And it was like we threw every expensive Band-Aid on the ceiling that we could. Well, we had hired a contractor at the behest of our um, of our broker who knew, said he knew about soundproofing because he did porn studios in Midtown. And so we thought, well, these people really know what they're doing. And when it came right down to it, it the that technology did not work at all. We were so horrified because we thought, we thought we were doing good. I will say on a larger scale, you know, we really, when we created this business, um, we actually created a very atypical model, which I think for us was probably one of the biggest obstacles in the beginning New York had not really yet adopted the concept of boutique fitness, meaning a pay-per-class model, a pay-per-class cardio model. It's one of those things where you pay your money, you know, on a monthly membership to a gym and you can take spin class. And so it's always a throw in, a gimme. So I would say that for the first, you know, six months, a year, I mean, it was just a barrage of phone calls all day where you'd pick up the phone and the person on the other end would say, this is included in my membership. Why would I pay you for something that I already get for free? They were sort of outraged, actually. You should tell that story about your father. Oh, well, I remember showing my dad the first studio and um, he walked in and he looked around and he looked for the showers and he couldn't find them. And he came a couple months after we'd been open and he looked at me and and he said, people really come here? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, yeah, people really come here and the people that come here really like it. And I could just see him looking at my mother. Desperately afraid that we were not going to be able to send our child to college. (laughs) The real truth is that they're a room with bikes in them. And you showed him. (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) He's impressed now. He is impressed. It's very sweet to see how proud he is of Julie. Given that this was, to some extent, a lifestyle change for both of you, given that you both had five-month-olds, did you have ambition to open up more than one studio, or did kind of success just create the inertia to to get you to expansion mode? Well, in the beginning, we thought if we had one great studio, that was... Or maybe three. But. That was really, I mean, but we really, you know, we had a certain number of riders and we thought, oh my goodness, if we could get 50 people here every day, this would just be it. Imagine the feeling of the first morning that, you know, we opened the door and there was a full class. I mean, I we I can vividly remember the feeling of the first person that did not get a bike in a class. And when did that happen? I mean, that was maybe uh, maybe maybe three five. or four or five months in. Was there a catalyst? Meaning, what were those those turning points, either in people or press, that 
really helped escalate your success. Well, it's, it's funny that you say that because when we first opened the studio, I lived across the street. My husband and my daughter and I lived in a tiny rent-controlled apartment that we were busting at the seams growing out of. But on Sundays, I would, you know, sort of you know, feed Phoebe her bottle and then say, oops, got to go put the garbage out. Tomorrow morning, the garbage guys are coming, you know, or maybe they left the candles burning from the last class. I should go check. I mean, it was that kind of a hands-on. We did everything. And I remember that when our first articles would come out, I would go, I would say to Elizabeth, the New York Times is coming out tomorrow. I'm going to get to the studio at five in the morning because I can imagine what the phone calls are going to be like, you know, <laughs> beg my husband, can you watch the baby this morning? And we would sit there. And maybe if we got one or two phone calls the whole day, I mean, it was no more or no less than any other day at SoulCycle in the beginning. We had a perfect storm sort of a little bit into our business, and this is kind of what it was. The viral marketing started to pick up, and people started to come. And people, and people really brought their friends. I mean, it was like that commercial, the hair commercial. And the you know, ladies. I told a friend, and they, and they told, told two friends. friends. And so on, and so on, and so on. And it really was like that. Then a bunch of press did come out, and then we opened a studio in Bridgehampton. So many people go out to vacation out in the Hamptons in the summer, and we thought, it would be a really great way to spread the word. And it was really that fall after that summer that our business really started to pop. And any kind of one one celebrity that happened to come in that caused kind of a wave effect? It was Bill Clinton. We did a fundraiser when Hillary was running for president. Mm-hmm. And we uh, decided to raise money for Hillary's campaign. And it was, it was a, through a rider. It was through a rider. And she helped us to get President Clinton there. He didn't ride. He didn't ride. But he came and he spoke about um, health care. <laughs> and then we did a ride with what we assumed were going to be would have been his favorite songs if he had actually rode the bike. Um, <laughs> you know what? It was it was a slow news day. And everyone came. There was nothing else going on in the world except that President Clinton was speaking at SoulCycle. And I remember, and this was great, we called a company that did billboards on Fifth Avenue. And we begged them to stay up all night and make a wrap for the front doors of SoulCycle because we had no sign. And we knew that news crews would be outside wanting to shoot President Clinton going in because nobody could get inside the event. And so we had them create a facade that covered the entire doors so that when you pulled it open, it was a big wheel. And sure enough, I mean, our logo made it all over the news. It was on Entertainment Tonight and it was on The New York Times and The Daily News. And it was really a big, big thing for us. Thank you both very much for joining us. Thank you, you, Jessica. Nice to be here. My guests have been Elizabeth Cutler and Julie Rice, co-founders of SoulCycle. If you'd like to learn more about the show, please visit our website at fromscratchradio.org or follow us on Twitter at Jess G. Harris or find us on Facebook. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. Let's hear it.